This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden and I'm joined today by Miles Danhausen. How's it going, Miles? It's going well, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Welcome to a very special all improv, all impressions <laughs> episode of the podcast. Figured you and I could just come in here and, you know, just just have some fun. Just get silly with it. What's your <laughs> yeah. uh, What's your best celebrity impression that you can do? I my, my wife would kill me if I tried to do an impression on here. They're all bad. Oh, they're, they're just for her ears only? She would rather I don't even do that around her. <laughs> All right. That's that's good to know. Do you have one? Ah, oh, man. Not, none that I can confidently pull out and be like, this is it. You're not um, like Bill Hader. You can't just like morph into like nine different characters within 35 seconds. Do you watch Big Mouth? No. Okay. The band? No. Yes, the, I've seen them off. The Netflix show. No. Oh, well, I've been told that I can do a pretty good hormone monster, but... <laughs> That's, that's what I've got. Um, that's your new nickname in the office. Hormone monster? Yeah. Great. I'm so glad. You are wearing a very winter sweater today, by the way. Big, chunky cardigan. It is, uh, it's feeling that way. And that, that's a really good segue, Miles, because uh, it's, it's kind of that season now. It's kind of the last real weekend for like, hey, there's a bunch of stuff going on for, you know, Halloween stuff. And then it's it's going to get kind of quiet. I mean, there, there's going to yeah. be some other stuff throughout the year and then there's Christmas and new years and that kind of stuff, but we're, we're really starting to hunker down now. It's been a pretty gloomy fall just in general. We've had a couple of nice days to really enjoy the yeah. colors, but they're all pretty faded. Most of the leaves are on the ground. It's cold. It's wet. It's Last weekend was insane though. After what seemed like a month of rain and gray and then just have like that just sunny all weekend and the leaf peepers were out in full force everywhere. Like I was driving around thinking, man, fall 50 weekend might, it might be busier like countywide. I don't know. I have to look up the data on this, but like might be busier countywide than fall fest is like fall fest is super busy in sister Bay and it spills over and stuff. Whereas pumpkin patch weekend is busy everywhere. And now that fall 50 weekend, what used to be a pretty dead weekend, it was packed. I mean, the, the yeah. colors were awesome. That helps. The weather was great. But then you throw in 2,000 to 2,500 Fall 50 participants, and almost each of those participants has a significant other or family with them. So you're talking like, all right, there's 5,000 more people in the county. So, yeah, it was just kind of crazy this last weekend. Yeah, they're pretty concentrated, though, because it's only a 50-meter dash, right? Yeah. Right. The Fall 50-meter like dash? Yeah. That'd be great. But yeah, no, I, I definitely felt that. My wife said that Fika was really, really busy last weekend, yeah. like shockingly so. It was her first weekend going back to work after having our daughter. And so she was like, you know, what? I'm just going to go in the morning and then it'll be like a half day. I'll just, I'll come back so you won't be alone with both kids all day. And then like around one o'clock, she was like, this is crazy. I can't believe it. I'm really sorry. And she got home at, you know, normal time, which was maybe two and a half, three hours after they closed anyway, just because of how nonstop busy it was so yeah I, I, people were definitely feeling it last weekend for sure so you know randy from me from coffee lab yeah not exactly a guy who wants his coffee shop to be a starbucks line going out the door sure. right so we stopped down there to get a cup of coffee and then cheer on some friends who were doing the fall 50 and the, the line was out the door and i just looked at randy's face i'm like 
Yeah, we're just getting just a regular coffee. Nothing special today. <laughs> Let's get this and get the heck out of your way. Right. Because, yeah, like all the Fall 50 people were just stopping at coffee shops and, and bars on their way up and down the peninsula. But then we walked through Ephraim and stopped and saw Scotty at the, the Ephraim Firehouse Museum, which if you have kids, you should definitely do that because you want to see, like, we have a two-and-a-half-year-old and a, a six-month-old. Six-month-old really didn't do much except Scotty comes over and, and rocks him back to sleep, which was pretty awesome. But then the two-and-a-half-year-old just bounces between the fire trucks, and it's just like, oh, here's 45 fun minutes. And for me, I'm just like, well, I like fire trucks too. This is pretty cool. Just hung out in there right. and cheered on some, some runners, and it was pretty amazing how many people stopped there and just, buy t-shirts like everybody walks by like yeah i'll get a t-shirt i'll get an e from fire t-shirt like and my son now knows scotty's name so he comes and he goes it's scotty i'm like okay you're morphing into a good little local man yeah if your kid likes old vehicular equipment and i feel like most kids do for some reason they just they all love tractors and yeah. excavators and stuff we got this is our second year of having season passes to the farm because in the summer Victoria ends up taking Oliver to the farm maybe once or twice a week. Yeah. And he loves the little outbuildings with all the old cars and, and tractor equipment and stuff in it. But he like wants to go touch them and they're all behind ropes. So he was always like running and sliding under the ropes before we could grab them and trying to get back there. And then we're like, I can't get, I can't get to you. You have to come back to me. <laughs> and they, they're always like, no, I'm going to, you know, jump on this this equipment that is literally made of tetanus at this point. And I'm like, please, <laughs> please crawl back under the rope. So I, I get that. I get the love of, you know, fire engines and all that kind of stuff. We also did, we did Plum Loco this last weekend on their final day. Same thing going around kind of like a mini version of the farm. And, you know, that gets to what we were going to talk about anyway was, you know, everything's shutting down. You know, the, the, the farm's closed for a while now. The Plum Loco's closed. PC Junction is shut down. Like there's all these things that are closed and then the theaters are ending their runs and it's, we're heading into the, okay, chill out a little bit. Got to make our own fun season. Yep. Like I said, it's right now it's kind of the, the weird like lull where there's not a ton to do. Like I feel like a couple of weeks from now when it's like really slow, like when it's the off season, Yeah, that's when you kind of like you get into that rhythm a little bit of like, okay, these are the places that are open and it, 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 there's a scene in the winter for sure. It's just, it takes you a minute to get there right now where you're in between, like these are the places that are open year round. And these are the places that are closing staggered over the last couple of weeks. That's kind of the weird spot. Yeah. Cause you're still in summer mode and you're still like, Oh, I'm going to go get this. Oh, they're closed. I forgot. Oh, I'm going to go do this thing. Oh, they're not doing that anymore. Or their hours are reduced. Or for some reason they're only open on Tuesdays. Like you're in that weird spot where your brain's trying to like recalibrate a couple of weeks from now. You're like, all right, I got this. This is yeah. kind of the, the winter schedule. This used to be like the stretch where I would get a little depressed. Sometimes a lot depressed, you know, when you're like 21 and you're the only one of your friends still up here and you're going like, oh, they all left. Yep. What am I going to do for the next five months? And you're just like, okay, Thanksgiving, there'll be like one night when, when a ton of people are here. And then it's like, then we got Christmas and a few people will come home and then it's Fish Creek Winter Games. And you'd be like, okay, hopefully those three day stretches will carry me through the next five months of like being here by myself. Right. But now uh, being older, being a parent, it just changes the whole dynamic. But yeah, November used to be a pretty depressing. And even actually now, but now like speaking of things still going on, jack-o'-lantern days in Fish Creek. I remember when I think Bonnie Spielman might've been the, the head of the civic association back when they started this, or if she wasn't the head of it, she was very involved and they just started jack-o'-lantern days to do, go like, wait, nobody does anything for Halloween up here. Let's do something. 
And it's funny now because our paper this week is full of Halloween events, which is cool because I used to be like, why isn't anybody do something for this? Because the bars would have these great Halloween costumes. People would get into it, but there was no thing for it. There was no trick-or-treating hours when I was a kid up here. And now every town has their little segment. And Jack Lantern Days, they last year they added this haunted trail walk in Fish Creek Park that was kind of like a low-key thing that they started. And they had like 600 people come down there and people told me it was awesome. They have It's kind of like a tribute to the old Thumb Fun haunted house where they have like the live actors out there. So I don't know if I'm going to be able to take my kids there quite yet and scare the crap out of them, but it's, it looks like it was really cool. So if people are looking for something to do, I would definitely check that out yeah. Saturday night. I'm glad that you brought up good things and nice things. Cause I, I have a couple grievances that I'd like to air air them real quick. First one, I I'm really bothered by the fact that like the funnest, most interesting, like unique, cool thing to do like holiday of the year is relegated to like one month. Like you can only be like spooky for one month and then it's done. And it doesn't feel like you can, cause like October 1st, if you're like, now I'm spooky, it seems a little weird. Like you kind of have to like push it just a little bit, but think about all the fun haunted houses, haunted hay rides, ghost tours, all these types of things are kind of relegated to one month to do. Yeah. And then Christmas starts October 31st, basically, like at midnight, <laughs> all the stores are like, here you go. Here's it's Christmas time. I was in Costco like three weeks ago and they had all the Christmas stuff. Oh, yeah, they've been up for a while. And I love like Christmas decorating. I'm, I'm already like mentally planning the decorations in my, my bar and my garage, but I was not ready for that. <laughs> it was pretty, pretty early. Yeah. It, they, we just jumped straight over Thanksgiving and it's, <laughs> it's Christmas right away. But there's no time to like luxuriate in Halloween. And it feels weird to even decorate for Halloween because it's just for one month. And then you have fall decorations for what? November? That's it. I mean, if you really space it out, like end of September, you start putting up your fall decorations, then you spookify them for the month of October. And then you unspookify them for November. And then it's right into Christmas decor. It's such a weird grouping of holidays. I don't know who's to blame for this. I think it's Julius Caesar. If well, I remember correctly. I mean, we used to put up like Christmas decorations one week before. When I was a kid, it was like, okay, we got some, we get a couple of lights up. Now it's, you know, everyone's over the top and there's those services that'll come in and decorate for you, which kind of defeats the purpose. But I think I have an idea for you. A, like they used to have the haunted house at Thumb Fun all the time. It was like, it was open the whole summer. That was like one of the best things about Thumb Fun. So it didn't have to be relegated to Halloween time. But what you should do is you should just bring Halloween to all the other holidays. So like, show up at Christmas events, dress spookily, or like yeah, go, go to Holly Days when everyone's going to see Santa and you dress up as some monster and creep around the park. I see, think that'd I be think really good, popular with the other parents. What you're describing is being a goth. <laughs> that, that's Goth is Halloween year-round. That's what it is. <laughs> I guess that is, yeah, you're right. You know what, I, honestly, what I think it is, is we just need a better November. We need something better to do in November. Yeah, because it gets pretty, well, I guess... For a lot of people, it's just hunting, right? Yeah. Like my birthday is in November, and so many times it's just like, oh, yeah, we're hunting that stretch. Like, so many friends either go out of town or go to deer camp and stuff like that. And so for them, it is, there is this huge, if you're a hunter, like, this is a big month. But for the rest of us, it's like, oh, nothing going on until Thanksgiving. Right. <laughs> and it's like, we we put out fall decorations, we spookify them, we unspookify them, then we Christmas. 
like that unspookification, we need to figure out something to do. Like maybe, maybe we all need to decide that November is when we all wear like flannels and drink pumpkin spice lattes. Cause we start doing that in August, but maybe I, was gonna like, say, I think people do that, but November, <laughs> it needs to be a thing. You don't need to invent this. I, <laughs> no, but it, like it ha like we all have to agree that that November is the month that we're doing all of that instead of like, Oh, we start in August and then it just kind of a little bit here and there. No, it's, the whole month of November is cozy autumn vibes, even though it's not really cozy anymore. See, it just, it, all of it is wrong. We need to rethink all of it. <laughs> well, you, you go work on the calendar. Okay. I'll come back. Here's my other grievance. And this is more uh, related to this weekend. There are designated trick-or-treating times per community. And I was really confused as to what that meant. Right. So most communities have like on Halloween from six to nine or whatever is trick-or-treating time. But then some communities are like on Friday is trick-or-treating time or on Saturday is trick-or-treating time. And that was really confusing to me because I was like, oh, it's a community trick-or-treat. What does that mean? Does that mean all the businesses are, you know, doing something? Is it something like that? And I was informed that like, no, the communities just say like, hey, this is when you can trick-or-treat. And that I, I didn't understand because when I was a kid, you, you trick or treat on Halloween night from like dusk till you're done. Mm -hmm. Why is that different now? Yeah. I think people are just too scared with their kids. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but yeah, I was the same way when I, we would drive around Egg Harbor and if the house had their lights on, we'd pull in the driveway and go knock on the door. And some places didn't answer. Some places didn't have candy, but that's how we went trick or treating. And I, I can't recall if my parents actually knew which places would have it or not, or if we were just like taking literally a shot in the dark. But yeah, we never had designated trick-or-treat hours that, that we were supposed to use back then. So what I think is funny is for some of them, it's like our designated community trick-or-treat time is on Halloween night from six o'clock to eight o'clock. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> that's when it is. You don't need to designate it. We all know that that's trick-or-treat time. But some of them, Egg Harbors is October 29th from 2 to 4. In what world is that when you trick-or-treat? I used to live in Egg Harbor. If somebody on the Friday before Halloween at 2 o'clock rang my doorbell with a bowl <laughs> and a costume on, I'd be like, dude, <laughs> that isn't, was not isn't the that time. Saturday? The 29th? Yeah. Man, I don't know. I don't know what dates are, but it's not <laughs> Halloween. Yeah. It's certainly, no, it's because Halloween's on Monday. So yeah. the 29th would be Saturday. Yeah. But still, if somebody came up to me two days before Halloween at two o'clock, yeah. I'd be like, I don't even have candy yet, buddy. Yeah. You, do you want to? Because I'm, I'm buying it after work on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, I've just made a sandwich. Do you want half of that? Because <laughs> so that like. Do most, that. Most of the Fish Creek is the same thing. Two to four on the 29th. In, in what world? And, and why even, like, I, I, I guess I understand putting a curfew on it, but putting it on a whole different day is like, I don't understand. Because that's the thing. It's on Monday. When I was a kid, if it was on Monday, it was just on Monday. And you well, didn't. Here's why. Because in Door County, a lot of the businesses are closed on Monday in this case. So you want to do it when all your businesses are going to be open so the kids can bounce around. I get that. The weird thing to me is just like, I remember, I think it was E.T., where it's Halloween and they all dress up yeah. and you know, they're in a suburb in California. So when the first time I'm watching this, I just said, it's kind of one of my first memories of seeing another place and wondering, Oh, that's just so weird. Like all the houses are right next to each other and they have sidewalks, you know, growing up in, in the boonies up here. And I'm like, Oh, so they can, all the kids go out at the same time and they're all just walking down the street because we had to trick or treat in a car and drive around to places. And then they were doing it 
during the daylight hours, and I was like, what is Halloween during daylight? It's like Christmas without snow. So it all seemed, I remember it all seeming really weird to me to watch E.T. and the trick-or-treating the scenario there. So it's similar to what you're talking about. Right. You mentioned the businesses. I don't think that this is like a business buy-in kind of thing. I think it is in Fish Creek. That would make more sense to me if it was like... um, Because they're doing it around the old downtown and stuff. They're stopping at the businesses. So that's that's probably why they're doing it. Okay. That makes more sense to me. But if it's just like, hey, this is when, you know, turn your lights on and expect kids. Number one, you don't get to tell me when Halloween is. Number two, if they show up before Halloween, they're getting some soup. Because that's what I've got. The eras have changed dramatically because I'm just, as we're talking about this, it just sprung this memory in my head about like the difference in in parenting and how we organize these things. And it's it's structured so much more. When I played high school football for Gibraltar, we were combined with Sevastopol. And we would, you drive during the school year, like in September and October for football practice, you have to get, you hop on the bus and take like a 40 minute bus ride down to Sevastopol. Maybe it's 30 to go to practice every night. And then you take that bus ride back. And when they took the bus back, in our case, for the Egg Harbor kids, they didn't take you to your house. They dropped you. If you were a freshman and sophomore, you didn't have your license yet. They would drop you at Penn Center, which is now PC Junction. But at the time, it was uh, Washerchuk's grocery store. And across the street from there, it was the old Penn Pub. Not the, the new, somewhat nicer version of it, but the old, like, Leaning Tower of Pisa Penn Pub. Total dive bar scenario. So they would drop the 14-year-olds off, and it was if it was a cold night and you couldn't just sit on the stoop of Wattalison's waiting for somebody to come, or not Wattalison, the watch checks to wait for someone to pick you up, you just went into the pen pub. <laughs> Total difference in, in parenting then is like, yeah, go wait inside the dive bar for your parents to come pick you up and just watch like old guys at the bar with their beers just scowl at you like, what are you doing in here, kid? It's like, anybody want to offer us a ride? <laughs> But nowadays, it's like, structure, here's your two to four. You will trick-or-treat now. It will be daylight. <laughs> so It's so strange. Uh, stop me if I if I shared this story last week because I can't remember. I definitely told somebody. But did I, did I tell you about how I used to trick-or-treat, like in my neighborhood and how my neighborhood's changed? I can't remember oh, if yeah, I told this yeah, story. Oh, yeah, you mentioned this. Yeah, we basically, one end of the neighborhood to the other, got 20 houses. That was basically it. And the houses were pretty liberal with their candy because they might get... 20 kids knocking on the door throughout the whole night. So if you have a big bowl of candy, you don't just give one treat, you give a handful, right? Mm -hmm. So even just those 20 houses growing up, I'd fill up, you know, half of a pillowcase. Did you pillowcase trick or treat or did you have a bucket? We just had a bucket or garbage bag or something. Yeah, I always had a pillowcase. Maybe I was poor. I feel like maybe I was, I was probably poor, but that, that's what we would do. And now they've completely expanded that neighborhood and added probably 60 houses to it. So you can do that whole loop and get like a hundred houses. And, and it's just one big walkable loop with like two cul-de-sacs in it. So trick or treat, like that's the place to trick or treat in my hometown now is where I grew up and I, I missed out on it. I might have to take my kids there. Yeah, like, go back home. Yeah, before my parents move, go back one more Halloween and just take them and literally fill up a whole pillowcase. Because I guess <laughs> that's just how I think you do it. So, well, we just did a whole bunch of like, uh, even though we're not that old, like old man, get off my loan. This is the way it used to be, kind of thing. But I will say one thing that's cool, as I said before, like there nobody used to do Halloween stuff, and seeing some of the towns put stuff up and put up decorations and stuff. It's really cool. Like even the last week or so taking walks through towns with uh, my kid just to be like, you know, he's like, Oh, a skeleton, you know, like that, it's fun. It makes you're like, Oh, we're a community again. Cause it kind of got lost for a while there. And so the fact that they're even putting on some of the event, these events and having these trick or treating things and having Jack lantern days that they're doing in fish Creek is, and thrills and chills used to be thrills and on third 
in Sturgeon Bay. So they got a lot of stuff going down in Sturgeon Bay with kids' activities and stuff. So that's pretty cool that these communities have gotten into it. And I think it's an overlooked part of, sorry, I'm getting into a whole business discussion here, but you know, what, what room tax has brought is it's brought some money into the community associations. And so they have funded, like these all have full-time people. And that's one of the results of that is things like these Halloween events for the community is now that you have someone planning those and making sure they happen, whereas it used to be for years and years and years, these might perk up for a couple of years when you had a really dedicated person or volunteer or board member that was really motivated to do this kind of stuff. And then when those people moved on or their business changed or they had, they got too busy, then the, the thing would die. So even events like pumpkin patch has had their ebbs and flows over the years and a Halloween thing might be big one year and then it just didn't happen the next year or fireworks would happen one year. And then because that person wasn't there to raise the money for it, they'd die off. And now you have some of this consistency with these places, which as you know, now I see it as a parent, I'm like, Oh, there's stuff for my kids to do. This is great. <laughs> so it makes one of those little things that makes life a little bit better as right. a community. Yeah. And you and I were talking about like mostly kid centric stuff because we're parents now, but like you had mentioned last week in the pulse, we had a full Halloween calendar of stuff to do yeah. this week. We ran even more of those events because yeah. just more of them popped up. All that stuff is online too at doorcountypulse.com. So there's, there still is a lot of different stuff, whether you have kids or you want to go out to an adult Halloween party, there's a ton of stuff like all weekend long. I know that we were begrudging the, the, like it's not Halloween unless it's Halloween, but in terms of like parties and stuff, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, do the, I'll do the parties all weekend long, but I feel like trick or treating is, is a Halloween thing and I will die on that. <laughs> I think we should take a break. And then when we come back, we have a, a news item and I want to talk to you about an artist as well. And here's my kind of like clickbaity, get you to stay through the ads. There was a business that was on fire and we're going to talk about that. This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by Door County Medical Center. Are you looking for a job in Door County with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring. For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kiwani counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org slash careers. Okay, we are back. Let's do news first because I know people are, are dying to know. Mr. G has had a, a fire inside last, was it this week or last week now at this point? Last Last weekend. Yeah. Okay, last weekend. We have some photos in the Pulse this week uh, and some story. We talked to the owner of Mr. G's kind of about what happened. Give me kind of a, a surface level because people can read about it in this week's Pulse, but uh, what do you know about what went down? Yeah, so Mr. G's, which is the huge banquet hall and restaurant down in Jackson, kind of between Jackson Port and Sturgeon Bay, and they had a fire, pretty significant damage, pretty much destroyed the kitchen, destroyed a, a lot of the dining room area of the main restaurant. Yep. That was just newly redone too. They had recently redone that. It didn't, the, the damage is, I wouldn't say minor, but it's not significant either in the dining room portion of okay. it, but like the bar dining room, a lot of, a lot of stuff had kind of broken the ceiling and fallen apart, mm. covered in said kind of stuff, but the kitchen looked like it was totally destroyed. There was a storage area back there. Like a lot of that was, was basically gutted from the fire. And you think of like Mr. G's, I don't know if you've ever been to Dinner there or better. Yeah. yeah. You know, that is basically the location. If you have a 500 person wedding, like 300 and some plus, that is 
one of the only places you can do it. I mean, essentially, if you're like a, a Bly family or something like that down in the Sevastopol area, but it's one of the only like large scale venues like that. I mean, you, for all of the events and all of the things that are done in Door County, you got like Stone Harbor, that and Landmark to do something on that kind of scale. So it's always been the go-to for those sorts of things. And, you know, the, the Geithner family has been there for 50 years. They've been looking forward to retirement. And this, you know, the, the place has been on the market. So now what happens? You know, do you right. take the, you know, if I'm trying to put myself in their shoes, if I'm a restaurant owner and I wanted to retire and I wanted to sell and now I have this fire, do I go through, like your insurance is there to rebuild what was there? Like, do you go through all that and go through this rebuilding process, which can take a long time to do as well. And then you're investing all this time and energy to rebuild something that you were planning to sell and get and unload and retire. So it's, it puts them in a really weird spot. I would think if, if I'm the Geithner's. Yeah. And if, if that is the case, if it is, okay, let's try to rebuild and put it back on the market. Is that another year? Is that another year that they're potentially not even open? Just trying to yeah. get it ready to sell again after being on the market for a year already. Because a lot of times when you go through this, even if if everything goes smoothly, it can take forever. I think the cookery might have been closed for a full year before they got reopened after their fire. JJ's when they had a this relatively small kitchen fire. I mean, I don't want to. It just didn't destroy the building, I guess. So it's like smaller than devastating. But they were closed for the rest of that season. That was ten years ago, maybe more. So yeah, it's tough to to turn that around too. How many fires, like, does Door County have a large number of fires for how many, like, restaurants there are here? Or is it just there are fewer restaurants here compared to, like, in the city? So a normal amount of fires still seems like a large amount of fires. Yeah, I think it's more that. I looked into this years ago because it's always a question here. It's like everyone, something burns down in Door County and you kind of go, oh, insurance fire, <laughs> insurance fraud. And there have been a couple instances of that over the years. But the, you know, I'm just off the top of my head. I mean, it's, it's some of the most engaged with articles that we ever do. Yeah, are, they're, they're huge. Are, are I mean, fire, fire is, it's big and exciting and dramatic. Yeah. So it's always going to be like, oh my goodness, did you hear about this fire? And yeah. it just like, it can completely devast. I mean, you have situations like Mr. G's where it's like there was, there was significant damage, but it didn't burn the whole building. And nobody was injured. Right. Know, nobody was there. And then you have situations like Butch's Bar, which is the opposite of yeah. that. And Butch's Bar may be the worst example I can think of in my time where like people lost their lives and right. a ton of people lost their residence above that place. And then you have all the people who have connections to a place like Shipwreck. I mean, that place, that building had been there for a hundred years. 100, more than 100 years. So when that burns down, there's generations of people who've had memories and, and interactions there. Same thing with the Geithners, and the Geithners are a family that knows everybody. You know, Bailey's Harbor Yacht Club years and years ago, back, I think that's the 1980s, that actually burned. They put it out, and then it restarted, and they had to all deploy back there. It burned again because the embers were still hot. But, yeah, JJ's fire, you go on down, pen pub fire, stone throw fire. There's just so many. And in restaurants, it, it is somewhat common because you are you have fryer grease sitting there. or And sometimes if things aren't taken care of properly or you just have a small malfunction, there's so many different things in a, in a restaurant that can spark a fire. And so many restaurants up here especially are not built in new construction. So, so many restaurants are old buildings turned into restaurants, residences turned into restaurants. So it's not, you know necessarily the safest. <laughs> yeah. And restaurants, like most restaurants have an active flame, like consistently for 10 hours a day. So they're, they're yeah. dealing with actual fire yeah. every single day. 
Yeah. So it seems like there's more, but when I ask around, it, it turns out it's, it's really just that there's such a big deal when they happen here. Like, whereas in other places, they just wouldn't be as impactful. But yeah, it definitely seems like there's more here. Right. So that's that was kind of our, our front page story for this week. Very sad, especially just given the situation of the Geithner family. Yeah. Just almost, almost, almost done. And then to have this happen. Is, yeah. It is, is such a, like, that bar and stuff is a classic supper club feel in Door County. You go in there, you see Bob behind the bar, and they've got that, like, nice dark kind of lighting and everything in there. Right. We'll see what they do with it. Yeah. Last thing I wanted to talk about, if you pick up the paper this week and you turn to our art and lick section, you will see Nathan Hatch. Yeah. Who I, I have met and know about because also if you come to the Pulse office, you'll get to see his work all over the place. Yeah. So we featured him in the art and lit section this week, and he does some really, really cool wood projects. Yeah, he's... He's a pretty diverse artist going, he, he does these, a lot of people probably know him from these massive metal sculptures. And we've written about him before in his work at like Edgewood Gallery. You can see some of that on the sculpture trail that he does. He's done commissions in different cities and, and for different private individuals around the country where he goes and, and does these massive metal sculptures and involves a lot of welding and things. But then he also has done furniture where he incorporates the metal with the wood and, and does some really cool stuff there and does kind of these wall art pieces out of wood as well. But this week, Tom Gronfeld had a cool story about his work, what he calls, see if I butcher this word, Rorschach cabinets. So they're kind of like the Rorschach test. It, and it kind of has that vibe to it in the, in the cabinet, that look of a Rorschach image on a cabinet and they're just really cool stuff that he's got on display at, at Edgewood and for sale. Right. And Rorschach being um, like ink blots, basically yes. like you look at them and you see what you want kind of thing. Yeah. And he recreates that by like taking wood and creating these like interlocking forms that kind of go together to create that intricate design that you can interpret how you will. Yeah. And it, you know, when, when Tom turns the story in, the art piece of it is pretty interesting to me, but I'm also thinking like, I went to high school with Nate. He's a couple years younger than me. He actually worked for me once in the restaurant business when he was like 16, I think. But he, uh, I'm reading this, I'm like, wait a minute, this, I'm, this is a story about this kid I've known all my life who I went to high school with. And now he's like, he's doing some really cool, like this guy is a mature artist now. He is, and to see when you think about that evolution and go like, oh man, this guy is doing stuff at one of the preeminent galleries up here and is now ventured out into these, doing all these different types of art and from the little hallways of Gibraltar. It's just kind of cool. I'm not saying it very well, but it's just neat to see that evolution of people that you grew up with and see them become the people that we used to look up to. You know, he's, for kids at school now, they might see his name and they're like, oh, this is this artist who does stuff up here. Or they might go, oh, that's that guy who does that really cool stuff at Edgewood. And like now one of those kids 20 years from now is going to be that. And it's just, it's just a, one of those quirks of living here and growing up and being in the place that you grew up in and to see like the people you grew up with become those next people on that shelf. Yeah. Well, and being at, at your age where people would be in like the height of their career now, Yeah. seeing like the people that you went to school with now, it's like a lot of them are doing what they're doing. Yeah, and, and getting to see that in the Door County Living magazine, we do an alumni article right. every week, which is where we we chronicle somebody who lived here, went to school here, and what they're doing now, kind of thing. And yeah. what I love about Nathan's work is that he's here and he's yeah. he's doing it here, which is really cool. Yeah, he didn't have to go afar to reach this. He's doing this amazing artwork that 
he could also be doing anywhere in the country and he's doing it in his hometown. Right. And that's, that's what I think is special because like, there's a really cool thing about people who, who come here and then they leave and then they do really cool stuff elsewhere. But the people who are able to like be passionate about what they're doing and do art and, and stay here, I think is, is really cool too. Yeah. I mean, we grew up with the, the Chick Petersons, the, the Gerhard Millers, the Aureliuses, going down the line, all these artists that were, oh, those are those people, the Topelmans, like, and now Nate's one of those. And then, <laughs> like, it, it's nice to see people filling those, filling those shoes. Right. And, and we have the people who are in their 30s and 40s who are doing art here now and kind of fostering that new generation. Then there's younger people who are coming in and trying to make it too. And all together, they are kind of the next layer of the art tapestry here. And I, I think right now we do have a pretty strong group of people from their 20s to their 50s that are making art in Door County. And I think that that's special because we always think about the people who came here in the 70s, the 80s and created this art environment. But we have another really strong core of them right now. And it'll be interesting in 20 years if we're talking about the people that are just starting now, if we're talking about them the same way that we do about the people who kind of invented the art scene here. Yeah, I mean, four or five years ago, I was having a conversation with Kathy Hoke at the Peninsula School of Art and this fear of like, as these artists who have been the face of art in Door County for 30, 40, 50 years, I hate to say it, but like as they're dying or retiring or, or selling their galleries, who's going to replace them? Because the, the question we were talking about is how does somebody get started now? Because property is so expensive. Like how do you, you can't just throw up a shingle, buy a piece of property cheap and throw up a shingle and say, this is a studio and gallery, stop by the way you could in the seventies. I'm not saying it was easy in the seventies, but it was at least cheaper. And, you know, people are now I'm sitting here four or five years later and you, you're like, Oh, people are figuring it out. They're finding a way to, to make it work here and make a business out of it. And the art's changing too. what they're doing. The, the, the level of risk I think you can take as an artist here is, is changing from what it was right. 30, 40, 50 years ago. I'd be interested to know if like the collaboration has changed in its intentionality from the original group of people to now, because there was some collaboration early on, but like you said, I feel like it was easier to be self-sufficient as an artist when everything was cheaper to do. Whereas now everything is so expensive. I feel like there's almost a forced integration and collaboration between artists where it's like, in order for us to make this work, we need five of us to go in on a space to share all of our stuff. Like we need to be a collective in order to even make this go because it's so much harder to just be one person doing one thing or be represented at a gallery, you know, like Nate, right. Like he's got his, his workshop, but his his stuff is sold elsewhere. And as opposed to 1970s, David and Gina Aurelius just opened clay bay pottery and Larry Thorson and Judy up with uh, Gills rock stoneware and did the D tricks out even farther north up in Ellison Bay, kind of like that art crawl place up there, build a house and come to me. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like there, there probably was collaboration, but it was probably more artistically driven. Like, Oh, mm. I'd love to do something with you sometime kind of thing. Mm. Whereas now it feels like it's like, Hey, we need to work together. If we even want to be able to get our stuff together. That's why yeah. you have things like the, the yellow room collective mm-hmm. and the, and this isn't really a, like a forced integration kind of thing, but even just like the Sturgeon Bay Arts District, yeah. where you just have all of these artists all together, all collaborating with each other, not only because they're right next to each other, but otherwise, how are they going to be able to do it? You can't be in your silos as much anymore because it's just it's too expensive to do something as risky as art can be. And I think Sturgeon Bay has become sort of 
and hopefully it's still becoming sort of that, that outlet for artists to try and live and work because it's a little bit cheaper to the farther south down the county you go, the property gets a little cheaper, the housing gets a little bit cheaper, not not cheap, but less expensive than north. And maybe that's the, the last window for some of that up here. Right. Well, Miles, is there anything else that we should chat about before uh, before everybody goes out and, and enjoys their designated Halloween trick-or-treating times? <laughs> no, I think we covered it. I'm still, I'm still feeling spicy about all that. <laughs> so you will catch me on Halloween. You know what? I'm going to go to Egg Harbor on Halloween night with my pillowcase. And I'm going to ring the door. I'm like, actually, this isn't the designated time. And I'll be like, mm, I, I get my trick-or-treating directions from God, not from the municipality. So, and God said Halloween is on October 31st. Thank you very much. Okay, bye, Miles. I Andrew. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com slash shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.